Welcome to the Crossroad International Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Zephaniah, chapter 1, and verse 12. Zephaniah, chapter 1, and verse 12. Zephaniah is easy to find. Go to the New Testament and back up four, four books. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and then the New Testament. So Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 12. You can put that first slide up there. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who were settled in complacency who say in their hearts, the Lord is, will not do good, nor will he do evil. And then Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So I just want to share from these two scriptures with you today just the idea of casual Christians. An acquaintance of mine uh, by the name of Craig Groeschel, Uh, some of you may, um, you can go to the next one, Joe. Some of you may use an app on your phone that was put out by his church. How many of you have the Bible on your phone and it's the... U version Bible, or it's the, the logo just looks like Holy Bible. Well, that Bible app was done by a young man in Craig's church. He was in his mid 20s, a multi multi millionaire dot com guy that got radically saved. And he told his pastor, I want to use my money and my talent for Jesus. So he developed the WhatsApp. And put it on as a free download. There are now 260 million people around the world that are using that app. And um, they're hoping to get to a half a billion by the end of this year. So I don't know if they'll make it or not. But anyway, Craig wrote a book called Christian Atheist. I believe in God, but I live like he does not exist. I used to say that he was my friend. Now I say he is an acquaintance because I studied for this message. 
I know who he is. I know his name. I know him when he walks in a room, but I don't think he knows who I am. Understand the difference? So he is an acquaintance, not really a friend, and we'll talk about that a bit more. But after reading his book and listening to some talks that he gave on the Christian atheist, I put together this message on the casual Christian. I had a name for it. I was going to call it the crusty Christian. You know, when you leave bread out too long and it gets all hard and crusty and brittle. But I thought casual Christian was a little nicer title than Christian atheist or crusty Christian or um, hard-hearted Christian or lukewarm Christian or whatever. So we're going to talk about casual Christians today. And I want you not to think about other people when we go through these points. Think about yourself. Because in every one of these, God convicted me on something that I do in my life that makes me a casual Christian. Now, is, is that okay if your pastor confesses before you that sometimes he's not as on fire as he wishes to be? You know, Dell and I are just human. I hope you realize that. We do make mistakes. We face the same things that you face. So the casual Christian is explained or talked about in Titus chapter 1, verse 16. It says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Now, a casual Christians believe in God, but they do not have a deep relationship with him. There are basically three levels of knowing God. The first one is they believe in God but do not know him at all. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23. It says, Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done wonders in your name? And then I will say, I never knew you. Depart from me who practice lawlessness. There are a lot of people that claim to be Christians but have never had a relationship with Jesus. Go to the next one, sir. There you go. They believe in him, but they don't know him. Most of you from the countries you come from, you know information about your president or prime minister or king or whatever the ruler of your nation is. But can you say you really know him? Or better yet, can you say he knows you? See, there's two people you want to know your name. Jesus. Because you don't want on the day of reckoning when you stand before him to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, but God, I planted a church in Kuwait. But God, I used to preach. But God, I was a missionary. And to hear those words, well, okay. 
but I don't know you. Let me ask you, does God know your name? Is your name written in his book? And the other person you want to know your name is Satan. You remember the sons of Sceva? They saw the apostles casting out demons and they said, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's do it. And they grabbed a hold of a demon-possessed man and they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, we command you to go. And what did the demon say? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And he proceeded to strip them naked and chase them through the city. See, they wanted to get notoriety and they, they wanted people to notice them because they cast out demons. Well, they got noticed. And they got notoriety in the city because they were chased naked through the city by this demon-possessed man. See, that first level of knowing God is just or believing in him but not having a relationship at all. And then the second one is they believe in God but do not know him very well. They're saved. They come to church, but they don't have that deep relationship with Jesus. Galatians 4, 8, and 9. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and the beggarly elements of which you desire again to be in bondage? How many times do we get in a situation where we have to make a choice and it's easier to kind of go back to the old way than to really stand up for Jesus. We had a young man in Kenya that gave his heart to the Lord, and he worked in a government building. He was like two or three levels under the cabinet minister. And he came to me one day and he said, I have a problem, I need you to pray for me. He said, because I'm a Christian and you've been teaching us that we shouldn't be involved in bribery, he said, my workplace is becoming very difficult because all of those under me are taking bribes and the way it works is the bribes go from the bottom and they pass up to the big man. He says, but I can't take bribes. So everybody in my office under me is mad at me because I'm telling them they can't take bribes. And everybody above me is mad at me because there's no bribes going up. So I'm either going to lose my job or I'm going to have to quit. Something has to give here. So we prayed for him that he would be able to take a stand. And he did. And a few weeks later, his boss came to him. And said, would you pray for me? My wife and I are getting ready to go through divorce. But we know that you're a man of God because you stood by your convictions. And you didn't compromise. So would you pray for me? So he was able to lead his boss to the Lord. Then went home with him and led his wife to the Lord. Their marriage was reconciled. And in that ministry...
Corruption stopped. The bribery stopped. Why? Because he was willing to take a stand. But too many times we compromise thinking, well, it would be easier just to compromise than to stand for Jesus. And then the third level is they believe in God and they know him intimately. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You do everything within you for God. Second thing that notes casual Christians is casual Christians believe in God, but they do not fear or have reverence for him. Love plus respect equals fear or reverence. Let me give you an example. I loved my dad because he was my dad. He did stuff for me. He took care of me, all of these things. But I respected my dad because he was the head of the family and he set the rules. And because I loved him and respected him, I feared him or had reverence for him. In other words, when he said something, I did it. I did it for two reasons. I did it, one, because I loved him, and I did it, two, because I respected him, and I knew what the consequences would be if I didn't do what the head of the home said. Y'all understand where I'm going with that? See, I'm old enough that um, the belt was used not just to hold your trousers up, but it was used as an instrument of discipline. My father had a wonderful saying. If I apply the board of education to the seat of learning, I can change their thinking. <laughs> Think about that. Apply the board of education to the seat of learning and you can change some thinking. So let me ask you, do you love God as your heavenly father? Do you respect him as the creator of the universe and the judge of all mankind? The scripture says, behold, the goodness and the severity of God. See, in God's severity as the judge, there is punishment for sin. The punishment for sin is death. Because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, each one of us deserved death. And the severity of God, as the judge of the universe, we had a death sentence upon us. But the goodness of God, the love of God, sent his only son to pay the price for us so that we would not have to pay the death penalty, but Jesus took it in our place. So the severity of God demands punishment for sin. The goodness of God gave Jesus on the cross to take care of that sin. So I do things for God because I love him as my heavenly father. But I also respect him for the one who judges sin. See, fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart. 
that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it is easier to do something else. Obedience shows we fear God. 2 Chronicles 6, 9 says, For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro in all the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect in him. God's eye is on us. If we really fear him and respect him, we will obey him. I was told a story about a missionary in a third world country. I don't remember what country it was in. But he went in, he was with Mission Aviation Fellowship, and his job was to build an airstrip so that the planes could come in and land and bring development to this area. Except there was a problem with the local people that he had hired is when he was not there, they wouldn't work. Paul writes, he said, I, I thank God for you guys because you do what I say when I'm there and when I'm not there. So this guy couldn't figure out how am I going to get these people to work even when I'm not there. And then he realized he had a fake eye, a glass eye. So one day he had to go to town and he put a stump in the middle of the airstrip and he called all the workers together. He said, guys, I've got to go to town to buy some supplies, but my eye is going to be upon you while I'm gone. And he popped his glass eye out, and he sat it on the stump looking down the runway. He went to town, bought his supplies, and when he came back, more work had been done than ever before because his eye was upon them. The Bible says the eye of God runs to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts is perfect before him. So let me ask you, do you reverence him? Do you have the fear of God in you that when you do something, this thought goes through the back of your mind, I shouldn't be doing that because... This will offend my heavenly father. God is watching what I do. The next one is casual Christians believe in God, but they do not want to be too fanatical. All of you know Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 to 20. It talks about the church at Laodicea. He said, you are neither hot nor cold. You are what? Lukewarm. Let me give you some characteristics of lukewarm or casual Christians. They crave acceptance from people more than acceptance from God. When I thought about this, God convicted me because sometimes I have that problem. Sometimes I crave the acceptance of people to the place to maybe in the work I will compromise something or go along with an off-color joke or, you know, those types of things so that I'm accepted and I fit in. 
Casual Christians rarely share their faith. And they rationalize sin. You know, sin has been so rationalized in the world that it's no longer even called sin. Homosexuality is not a sin. It's an alternate lifestyle. Pornography is no longer sin. It's adult entertainment. Cursing is no longer sin. It's adult language. So all of these things that we know are wrong, if we're not careful, we rationalize them so that we can get away with it. In Zephaniah, it says the people said that there was neither God would not do good nor would God do evil. No, God will just do whatever I want him to. God is my heavenly Santa Claus. You understand? God is my Amazon.com prime. Not only does he have everything I need, but he gets it to me overnight for free. Come on now. I'm not the only one that thinks this way sometimes. But see, we have to understand that we can't rationalize sin. And also, they think more about earth than heaven. I know we live down here, but you realize this isn't our home? Most of you in your passport, you have a thing in there that says you are a resident of Kuwait. True? This isn't your home country. Your home country is the country of your passport, even though you are a resident here. Well, see, we're only residents on this earth. This isn't our country of origin or our home country. Our home country is heaven. We are citizens of heaven who happen to be residents of this earth. So we need to live by a higher law than the laws of this land, and that is the laws of the word of God and the laws of heaven. Only turn to God when we need to. That's a casual Christian. If all of these, this is the one I fall into the most. I just have to confess that to you. When everything's going good, that's when I really have to concentrate to spend time with God and really press into prayer. When the bank account's full, the kids are doing great in school, everything's going good, well, then I don't need God. Y'all are looking at me like nobody else ever falls into that. Come on now. Don't look so holy. We all fall into some of these. I'm just telling you the ones that really get me. Hopefully God is getting you with others. And then the last one is casual Christians only give when it's convenient. Many Christians are what we call tippers. Do y'all know what a tip is when you go to a restaurant? The gratuity? If the service is good, you leave a little extra for the waiter because they had a good service. 
Well, a lot of Christians give that way. If the worship moved me, if the pastor's message wasn't too long, then it was good service, so I'll drop a little tip in the offering box. By the way, the offering box is in the back. We don't pass plates here, so we just leave it. It's between you and God to drop your offerings in there. But a casual Christian only gives when it is convenient. And then a casual Christians, the next one, believe in God, but they do not want to be too fanatical. Don't want to be too fanatical. I did that one, sorry. Lost my place here. They do not trust him fully. Do you trust God fully? I've said over and over this. God is what? He's too wise to make a mistake, too powerful to fail, and he loves me too much to hurt me. You can trust God fully. Deuteronomy 9.23 says, Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commander of the Lord your God, and you did not believe him, nor obey his voice. How many times has God called us to do something and we have our own plans and would rather do something different. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Mark 9, 23 to 24. And Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That needs to be our prayer a lot. God, I believe, but help me if there is any unbelief. And then we, a lot of times I will give God some things, but not everything. I remember when we were first saved, there was a song that was popular and it talked about my heart is like a home and Jesus is coming into my heart and he's going into all of the rooms in the home of my heart or the house of my heart. And he gets to one and I said, oh no, Jesus, don't go in there, that one's mine. See, we're all human and none of us are perfect if you think I'm perfect talk to my wife after service she will guarantee you I am not perfect okay none of us are perfect you will never find a perfect church because once you find it you can't join it because once you join it, it's no longer perfect because you're there. Understand? We're all growing. I, I had thought when we were looking for names for Crossroad International Church, I wanted to just call it Under Construction Church. 
Because we're all under construction. God is working on each one of us day by day. So how do I guard my heart or guard myself against being a casual Christian? Two things that we need to do. Number one, get closer to God. And we do that through prayer. Psalm 63, 1 through 4. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirst for you. My flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, and my lips shall praise you, thus will I bless you while I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. Your loving kindness is better than life. Do you desire to spend time with God every day? The other one is you get closer to God by the word. Proverbs 4, 22, 20 to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all your flesh. The way we prevent ourselves from being casual Christians is we must get closer to God. Increase the intimacy of your fellowship with your heavenly Father. Make your relationship with God number one priority. And then the second thing is we need to get closer to other believers or other Christians. We do that through the coming to church services like this. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. See, when we come to this gathering, I hope you came here to be transformed by the power of God and by his word, for your relationship to be closer with your heavenly father, and also to build a closer relationship with one another. I think it is awesome that we actually have to tell you, would you quit fellowshipping so we can start service? I have been in churches where everybody walks in and never says anything to anybody and just walks and sits down in their seat. You have the song service, you have the preaching, and when you say amen, it's like a stampede out the door. My father went to, the, went to a church that they had a special congregational meeting so that they could change the time of the service so they could get out a half hour before the church down the street so they could beat them to the restaurant. <laughs> Praise God here. Sometimes it's almost like we have to kick you out. <laughs> and that's good because we have this room specifically rented until 2 o'clock 
Why? Because we finish service about 1130. And that gives you two and a half hours to hang around and fellowship and build relationships with one another. Amen? And that's a big part of our church. The other one is we get closer to one another in life groups. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, the services, and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It's interesting that those being saved mainly were coming from the house-to-house fellowships. Life groups will be starting back again in September, so we encourage you to become part of a life group. That is a place in a small setting where you can get to be really close friends with one another. You know, the Bible says, when you come together, let each of you have a psalm, a hymn, or a spiritual song. There's about probably 70 adults in here today. So how long would service take if each one of you came up and either sang a song, a hymn, or a spiritual song? I mean, it would take forever to go through the service. But you can do that in a small group, in a life group, because you have more time and you're more intimate and everybody has a ability to give in to that meeting. And then the last one is fellowship. Fellowship is beyond the life group meetings. It's when you meet together one-on-one for coffee or you have people over to your house for a meal or these types of things. And it's in that type of setting where in James 5.16 it says, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So it is our prayer as pastors that your fellowship is not limited to Friday morning and not just limited to a life group, but you're in one another's lives, hopefully on a more consistent basis. Maybe through emails, texting, WhatsApp, phone calls, getting together for coffee, meeting over a meal, to where we get to be closer one to another. And if we will get closer to God and closer to other Christians, then we don't have to worry about being casual Christians. And the last slide says, all of us are casual Christians from time to time. So I hope today as I went through this that God pricked your heart in a few places. Not my words, but his word that is convicting to us. And we see where we have been casual in our Christianity, casual in our walk with God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for your word. Because your word is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between 
the soul and the spirit, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And Father, we ask now that you would touch each one of our hearts. And Father, show us areas in our life where we have been casual Christians. Father, maybe it's in our relationship with you. It's not as fervent as it should be. Father, maybe it's because we're not trusting you fully. Sometimes we want you to prove yourself so that we can trust you. But Father, you always are looking for us to trust you so that you can prove yourself in our life. You're looking, your eye is upon us, looking for those whose way is obedient before you that you can show yourself strong. Father, help us never to get to the place to where we're afraid to share your word with others, afraid to identify with you. Father, let us be fanatical believers. Let us be on fire for you because you would rather us to be either red hot or ice cold rather than lukewarm. And Father, sometimes we admit today that we're lukewarm in our prayer life, sometimes in our giving, sometimes in our Bible reading, sharing our faith. But Father, we want to be obedient to you because we love you and we respect you. We have fear for you that brings us to a place of obedience. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I hope that helped you some. It, this was one of the hardest messages I've ever put together because every point I went through, God kept convicting me. And um, I don't know about you, but I don't really like being convicted. I knew my dad loved me even when he took me out behind the woodshed. And that wasn't just a saying for us. We did have a woodshed. Anybody ever heard that saying? I remember one time I was being really bad. And my mom came out and she was trying to discipline me. And she had this little switch that wasn't anything. And she had me by one arm, and I was running around in circles, and she couldn't catch up with me. And halfway through one of the circles, I looked up, and my dad was standing in the shop with his arms crossed looking at me. And immediately, I stopped and bent over because it was much better to have my mom discipline me than my dad. That's that reverence and that fear. I knew he loved me, but I also knew if I didn't keep the rules, I was going to pay for it. And the Bible says that God chastens everyone that he loves. So if God's convicted you this morning and you come to him and you have some of that little bit of discipline that God likes to give to us because he loves us, that's okay. It proves to you that he loves you and you are his child. Amen?